Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, where we're all instructed right now to not sneeze on camera. Miles, that means stop jacking it on on the uh, recorder. I think you and I need to have a talk about what the word sneeze means, because you may have different information. I mean, sneeze out of certain body parts. It's all natural. Listen, you're getting that Florida education, so we may have to I check in. I didn't go to school got. in Florida. I just live in Florida. Yeah, there's the school on the streets. Yeah, and only for like what another couple weeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, getting while getting's good. In any event, yes, Miles is here for the latest episode. Yes, I I'm here. If that wasn't clear, <laughs> Mister Mister Q. Um, <laughs> we had a whole little we bit. Have, I thought that was it. <laughs> I know. It's the whole fucking show is a bit. Um, Steve is here. I am here. As as peppy as ever. And we have a new contributor. Well, not new. We've been writing for the site for a while, but now you can hear what he sounds like. Uh, Caillou is here. Hello. First time, maybe last time. We'll find out. <laughs> and the best way to introduce a, a new contributor is to uh, bring up something that doesn't involve him. So, in, perfect. Um, next week will be Miles' uh, last podcast uh, as a single man. Oh. You like what I did there. So um, we're taking this moment to uh, let him know that next week is his bachelor party episode. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It will all be themed towards that end. So Someone call Tom Hanks. I mean, ooh. There we go. Um, there's a reference that seven people understood, but I was one of them. Uh, yeah. So anyone who wants to uh, put forward a bachelor party or wedding themed question or game or something like that we will we will do it um and that includes you we Tom Hanks. yeah i mean so far the only guests i've confirmed is uh heather graham cracker but we'll see what uh sh- she may be objecting to the wedding well me, me and kelly have had our talks about heather graham cracker and she's at peace with it i don't know how heather right, feels excellent. about the whole situation though i hear well, she might be a little salty no oh but i'm sh- Listen, if the if the alternative is uh, you know who showing up, I think you're you're fine. With oh Heather yeah, definitely preferable. Because I I heard he bought a G string, oh, and a giant cake. <laughs> no, no, he had the giant cake. Had to buy the G string though. Uh, but yes, more fun on that next week. And uh, I would say I think two weeks from now we're gonna pick up our Eternals conversation and we're gonna make it a uh, spoiler one. That so. that conversation never seems to end. Yeah, and it's super calm and rational, like every conversation involving the internet. It's eternal, so. is my joke. Yeah, well, uh, no, I know, <laughs> but I was also making uh, the internet as garbage joke. It also wasn't which, funny, but I, I tried. Well, you, you powered through, so yeah. there you go. Um, so, what I want to do is, I want to first start off with a question, then we're going to go into uh, an Oscar race, because God knows we actually kind of do that once in a while. And then we have a uh, an Oscar year that we're going to do, and whatever else comes up in between. But we are going to uh, actually move off of uh, Halloween, but 
we're going to say goodbye to it by doing a Miles' 31 Days of Halloween Filmaholic Face-Off. Oh, Ooh. nice. Okay. Oh, yeah, re- uh, so. yeah. Let me take this opportunity. Please read my article. It took me so long to write. It's 31 mini film reviews of everything I watched in October. Uh, give it a read. Let me know what you think. And only some of them were ones that I was troubled that you actually sat through, <laughs> which was saying something. Um, actually, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to pull it up. Yeah, we'll tweet there's it. some that are on this list. We could tweet it back out, and uh, because it's 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 actually more evergreen. It's even though it's Halloween themed, it's it is horror. You can watch it all year long. So exactly, plenty of good well, plenty of good insight on that. After we go from these face offs, we'll go back to the list, and I'll pick out a few, and we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, first up, and Miles, feel free to tell people where they came into play or why they were picked. Uh, first up is The Descent or An American Werewolf in London, and we'll go oh, Maya, Caillou, Steve. Uh, yes, so these were for 2000s horror and werewolf, respectively, as far as the categories. Uh, thanks again to our friends at Nightmare on Film Street for providing the list. Um, I love both of these films. These were both ones that I had already seen but was showing Kelly for the first time. Um, I'll probably go American Werewolf in London just because it is such a classic, but they're both great. Uh, I would probably say The Descent, because um, I remember the first time I saw it, I think it was uh, probably grade 10 or so. And um, yeah, like one of my friends, he was because he's really big in the horror movies as well. And he said, you know, because he knew I loved the Blair Witch Project and a bunch of other found footage kind of like kind of similar, I guess, not really found footage, but, you know, similar kind of feel to the movie, I guess, kind of movies. And so um, he said, you should go check out The Descent. I think you really like it. And so I went in totally blind, didn't know the premise at all, and I was I was pretty pretty impressed with it. It's not one of my favorites in the genre, but I I do think it's more unique than American Werewolf personally. <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm going to have to go with The Descent just because American Werewolf. It has been a few years, but in the last six months, um, it, it keeps popping up in conversations and people talking about how great it is and different scenes, and I really want to go revisit it. So for right now, it's the descent. It is a, it, you know, especially if you don't know what you're in for going in, uh, it's it's quite a ride. American Werewolf is a quality flick as well. Uh, yeah, I, I like both. I'll go the descent, not by much. Quick bonus, Miles, the descent part two or American Werewolf in Paris. Oh God, neither. <laughs> I, I know. Talk talk about sullying reputations. Yeah. I will, I will say this, The Descent on its own is probably one of the scariest uh, films um, that I watched all month. Obviously, fear is subjective, but it's like, if you are if you get claustrophobia or you're afraid mm-hmm. of the dark or anything like that, it's, ooh, it'll get you. Yeah. Uh, next up, American Psycho or From Dusk Till Dawn? With bonus, American Psycho Part 2, All-American Girl, or From Dusk Till Dawn Part 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, however many they made? Uh, I think they only got up to three, surprisingly. Although there's the TV is, show. Well, yeah, and the, and the sequels were shitty enough that they got the hint. Yeah. Uh, well, even quicker for American Psycho. Uh, so, yeah, but that one does have Mila Kunis killing someone with a giant condom. I think she kills pretty... William Shatner with a, with a condom, which is even funnier. Which is, which is kind, of a, kind of a great scene. It's the only thing In to recommend the film, so just watch Please, that scene no. on YouTube. Get this off yeah. my head. <laughs> which head, Bill? You know which one. I'm off to space. Mm. All right. And he's dead. <laughs> All right. Actual answer. 
Uh, so the categories for this were killer soundtrack and 90s horror, respectively. These are two of my favorites of all time. Uh, gosh. Um, I give the very, very slight edge to American Psycho. Um, I feel like that's the modern film that comes the closest to replicating the look and feel of like a classic Hitchcock film. It's just so timeless and has only gotten more relevant. Please check out my article on Awards Radar that, you know gets into exactly why it's relevant right now well, I, i'd easily say american psycho um i've probably rewatched it well i've definitely rewatched it more than uh the other one and so i mean i've it's probably one of my favorite movies i've seen in years even though because like I, it came out in 2000 but the first time i saw it i was i would say 16 and i probably watched it four more times since then and it's probably my favorite christian bale performance as well even though you know batman's probably my favorite fictional character i do think he did better in that movie and so i definitely say american psycho are you implying that patrick bateman is a fictional character <laughs> yes all right i Steve. will follow suit uh american psycho uh from dusk till dawn is okay I, I i may have to revisit that one as well i i i didn't find it scary and no. it, it was a fun movie but uh psycho psycho works at, at different levels and plus huey lewis so Boom, right there. American Psycho. Yeah, I actually uh, showed my girlfriend American Psycho for the first time um, Wednesday or Thursday last week in like, the run-up to Halloween. And uh, I forgot how funny it was. Well, I knew how funny it was, but it's interesting to watch it for the first time with someone who's never seen it. So I'm laughing. I'm also laughing at things that are still about to come. And, you know... I think she's, at least for the beginning, kind of unsettled by it until you, you get on the, the wavelength. But she liked it, and I, I think it's a modern classic. I actually love the book. The book is great. Is, uh, yeah, the book is a, is a horse of a different color, but is great on its own terms. I, I described some of the scenes to her in the book, and, and she was mortified, which is what Brady Stanellis was going for before he uh, kind of became an awful human being. But talented writer. Uh, so yeah, I, I, nothing against From Dust Till Dawn. It's fine. It does what it's doing relatively well. But I, I don't know when I would want to revisit that one. I would probably watch American Psycho all the time. It's one of those ones if it's on TV, you stop and you you know you pick it up from wherever it is and you and you go. So that one so far is the uh, the best of a lot. Next up, we have the Sixth Sense or the Host. Very good. Uh, this was for Twist Ending and Monster Mash were the categories. Um, for me, this is an easy one. It is The Host. Uh, this was actually my introduction to Bong Joon-ho, and it's one that's only gotten more relevant, but also just holds up so well, and it's doing so many different things genre-wise, and it's it's such a great movie monster, and the design is so memorable that you don't even mind that the CGI is super dated. Uh, and the family dynamics in it. It's just, it, it's a classic. I was half expecting you to go Psycho Gorman as your Monster Mash. But I, I guess you saw it too I, I saw it earlier this year, yeah. And it's, yeah. I liked it. I didn't love it. No, it's thoroughly fine. And yeah, Sixth Sense is sh- probably Shyamalan's best film. And it definitely holds up better than most of his other stuff. But um, yeah, it's not the host. <laughs> Whose career has gone better since then? <laughs> Well, for me, The Sixth Sense is probably one of the first horror movies I've ever seen. Um, and so, especially a movie with that caliber, the ending and everything, it kind of floored me. And so, for me, The Sixth Sense definitely has the edge. 
Um, although I don't think it is Shyamalan's best personally. Um, You're and a big I actually, fan? Uh, I kind kind of. It's not, not one of my time. favorites, but what? Honestly, I know this is super unpopular. <laughs> But I, I, I think Glass is really good. Oh, <laughs> oh my yeah. god. That's not um, what I wanted to hear. Wow. Glass. <laughs> remember, remember when we said first and possibly last time? <laughs> Those th- That has never been uttered before. Glass is my never, favorite yeah. genre. Yeah, that was probably the last one I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I would have taken, like, uh, Airbender. Really? Before that one. Fair. Fair. All right. So We, we were talking about biggest disappointment. Hate we're talking favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you were puzzled. It's okay. I think the podcast spotlights might be affecting your judgment. I'm going to go with The Sixth Sense. I'm a big fan of the host as well, but The Sixth Sense is a film I will always remember the first time seeing. It seems nowadays that every filmmaker throws in twists or tries to subvert expectations, but uh, M. Night Jamalan nailed it there. That twist pulls a rug out from underneath you, and uh, and it still works as a whole. So I'm going to go with The Sixth Sense. I'll say this for The Sixth Sense. Everyone knows it for the twist, but it absolutely works as a movie even without the twist. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right about that. No, that's definitely true. Um, and probably why I'm going with it. It is... Uh, it's the better film. I, I, I frankly liked... Everything Bong Joon-ho had done, but hadn't, like, gotten on board, if that makes sense. Like, I'd been like, oh, the host is fine. You know, they uh, they they didn't, like, hit me. Okja didn't, you know, do anything for me. I just, I appreciated them. I didn't, like, go for them. And then, obviously, Parasite changed everything. But the opposite's true for The Sixth Sense. He uh, started with a bang. I mean, he made three or four films before that, but, like, blew me away. And then spent the rest of his career slowly pushing me away, if you want. Uh, so yeah, that, that's not a that's not a hard one for me. Though again, both both good films. I haven't had one here that I haven't liked yet. Um, next up, Young Frankenstein or Gremlins Two, with the side note from Ryan McDermott that Miles gave both five out of fives. So they must be of equal quality. So you must uh, now pick. So thanks as always, Ryan. But uh, Miles. Kill your darlings. Uh, uh, yeah, in my mind, they probably are of equal quality. Uh, so, as far as categories go, these were actually both under uh, horror comedy, which got a double dipping. Um, so, Young Frankenstein is an absolute classic. It's probably my favorite movie with either Mel Brooks or Gene Wilder's involvement. Um, it's, you know, it's one that I can go back to and it never gets old. Uh, Gremlins 2, though, there's something about it. And it, this was my first time seeing the whole thing. I'd seen clips. I'd seen the Key and Peel sketch. I kind of knew what I was getting into, but you don't really know until you watch the whole thing through what a freaking cartoon it is in the best way possible. Um, so I think there's something about it that tickles, you know, what I like out of a horror comedy or even better, a horror sequel. Um, I still get the slight edge to Young Frankenstein, but it's very slight. Interesting. Uh I, I have to go with Gremlins 2 on this one. Uh, I also really like Young Frankenstein as well. Um, but for me, Gremlins 2, I think it's... I would say maybe, you know, Young Frankenstein is definitely a, a better, a more well-made film and everything. But uh, Gremlins 2 definitely, I think, is the more entertaining movie. And, you know, I've been watching the Gremlins since I was maybe 
13. And so I, I also grew up on it. So I guess I'm biased in that way. Um, but, you know, I, I really do like it and I like how crazy it is. And I do prefer the first one. But I think Gremlins 2 is definitely the more it's a movie that I you know revisit more often, I would say. Well, Gremlins 1, I am a big fan of and I, I, it's become an annual a holiday watch for me. Um, yeah, it's a little darker, but I really quite enjoy it. Out of the the not so Christmas Christmas movies with that and Die Hard, I think that uh, Gremlins is the more Christmas movie. Just in case anyone is wondering. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'll just go with Gremlins too. It works for me. No, no, no. Young Frankenstein. It's my favorite comedy of all time. My favorite Mel Brooks movie. Uh, Gremlins 2, I, I I know is fun, but I can't deal with the spider. So, <laughs> yeah. Just That's fair. Gets knocked down. Yep. Can't can't manage it. Um, no, you know, I'm sorry. Up, I'm going to go Young Frankenstein. What was I thinking? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I had gremlins in my mind, and then I said, no, yeah, Young Frankenstein. Definitely. Excellent. But I enjoy both. Um, next up is uh, what I would deem a tougher choice for a different reason. Halloween 3 Season of the Witch or Hocus Pocus? I'm interested in which one is the tougher choice. Um, so these ones fell under, uh, Hocus Pocus was All Hallows Eve and, uh, Halloween 3 was underrated. Um, I am a semi-recent convert to Hocus Pocus. We actually did it for the list last year because it's my fiance's one of her favorite movies, definitely her favorite holiday movie. And, um, and so she got me into it and honestly, it's really good. Like I didn't think I would Mm -hmm. like it. I remember seeing bits and pieces of it as a kid and being like, I don't like this movie, but all the way through, th- there's a certain charm to it that I actually I, I found pretty infectious. That said, it does not hold a candle to Halloween 3, which is so fucking bananas in the best way possible. Uh, that's a movie that I think has definitely qualifies as underrated. It gets such a bad rap, but it's so fucking weird and delightful and charming and obtuse. And just that's a movie that everyone should seek out even after the season. Yeah, uh, I think I kind of agree. I, I kind of think that Halloween 3 is probably the most unique in the whole franchise to date. Um, although, like you said, uh, Hocus Pocus is great, and I only ever watched it for the first time last year. Uh, and so I'm pretty new to that party as well, but I really did enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I definitely think Halloween 3 because um, it's definitely the most inventive of the whole series. Uh, I don't think it's the most entertaining. Uh, I definitely think even Halloween 2 and Halloween 4 are more entertaining. Um, but three is definitely the one that took the most risks, you know, not having Michael in there at all, you know, at the time was especially probably a really big chance because everybody knew from the first two, they loved Michael Myers and the whole storyline. Um, but yeah, I definitely think Halloween three, because it is so unique and it takes a lot of risks. And so, yeah. All right. Um, I do not understand the love of Hocus Pocus. Uh, my daughters just watched it and I watched along with them and I, I didn't like it when I first saw it and I, it, I don't care for it now. So uh, Halloween 3 on the other hand um, when I first saw it I didn't get it. I was like where's Michael Myers like most people were um, but then I watched it again with the mindset of this is not a Michael Myers film and it's quite good. So I'm going to say Halloween 3. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I I like it in a like batshit like this is a how did this get made film type thing, even though it does work on its own <laughs> accord. Uh I, I also don't care for Hocus Pocus. Like I it's just it's a film that uh, many a lady has been like, I love this film, let's watch it and I just repeatedly do not get it. And uh it could be me, but it's just not not my thing. And I have several friends who, when they hear this, will text me to be annoyed at me for this, but I uh, don't know what to say. I just don't like it. Whereas, you know, I know it is a lot of people's favorite films. Finally, we have uh, modern ones. We have Last Night in Soho or Halloween Kills, which I think it's pretty clear where I fell on this, but this will be interesting. Uh, Yes, so uh, this was for Seeing Red and Masked Killer. Uh, See if you can guess which is which. Seeing Red red was Steve when he watched Halloween Kills, right? That was right. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I I was left a little cold by both of these films, to be honest. Um, Halloween Kills I didn't have big expectations for because I'm very aware that there's never been two consecutively good Halloween films. Um. But it was I I I like the 2018 film a lot better than Steve, as has been well documented. But um, regardless, I don't think this new one really lived up to that, and I don't think it really. I don't think it's terrible. I think it's totally fine, totally watchable. But I don't think it's. I think it, it trips up a lot of the way, and it did not leave me super excited for the third film. Last night in Soho, I think gets more right. It's definitely a big swing from Edgar Wright, and so I do find it commendable from that perspective i think artistically and technically it's very very accomplished and there's a lot of interesting stuff in it um but i think the story kind of gets away from it i think there's some really questionable stuff thematically especially in the third act and i think it was a movie that i was very frustrated to see kind of fall apart in front of my eyes when i was kind of with it for the first stretch or so um, so between two not amazing choices, I would still go Last Night in Soho because it's got some genuine artistic integrity behind it, even if it doesn't quite stick the landing. I was really looking forward to Halloween Kills because um, I do love the 2018 version a lot. I think it's probably in my top five of the franchise. Um, and so I saw the movie. I really I did enjoy Halloween Kills. Um, I don't think it's you know one of the best or anything. I don't think it's top five of the series, but... I liked all the kills and I liked, you know, there wasn't really much of the story in this one, which is kind of disappointing. Um, and it's definitely a non-risky movie at all. I mean, because really there's only any, all it is is kind of a slasher with no, nothing really behind it. Um, so I, I would say Last Night in Soho. I really did enjoy Last Night in Soho quite a lot. Um, I don't think it's as good as some of Edgar Wright's other movies. Like, I don't think it was as good as, you know, Baby Driver, even though, Ansel Elgort's in that movie, you know. Um, uh, I do think it's it's a really good movie. Um, definitely, I don't I don't know. It's I I like both movies a lot. Um, but I would have to say Last Night in Soho because it is really unique and you know it it, it goes for it. Whereas Halloween Kills kind of plays it safe in almost every aspect. All right, you can guess what I'm not going to pick, but I do want to say about. Uh, the last night in last night in Soho is it's a tale of of two halves. The first half is pretty awesome. Um, so much style, technically the performances, 
the sound design, the the production design, everything about it. Um, the second half, uh, I think he takes a swing and maybe gets a you know a single, a blooper single rather than the home run that it looked like we were heading for. Um, but it's still, I think, I think it's a, gets a lot of heat because that first half was so good um, that the second half is a disappointment. I believe on, on future viewings, it will sit better because your expectations will be a little bit more managed. So I'm going to go with that. I still like the film. If the second half was anywhere close to the first half, we're looking at a classic. But hey, it happens. Uh, my reviews are up on the site. You can tell. I, I thought... Last Night in Soho was massively disappointing. I thought Halloween Kills was only mildly disappointing. So I'm going uh, Halloween Kills. And on that uh, very lukewarm statement, you can look for my uh, interview with Edgar Wright in the next day or two on the site. Um, <laughs> though we talk the Sparks Brothers. I uh, I maybe uh, skipped over the part about not liking his movie. But not his... I mean, I was about to say not his fault. It is his fault. But like... You're, you're entitled. You don't have to make all the ones I like. So, there we go. Um, as for the list itself, I'm going to pull up a few, and uh, Miles, tell me tell me what you thought of that. Well, I mean, I know what you thought, but go for it. Um, let's do... Chopping Mall. <laughs> this, one, this one was just a lot of fun. It's... it's, it's... It, this was for uh, 80s horror, and it is 80s horror as fuck. Um, yeah, just a bunch of Dalek-looking security robots gone haywire, murdering horny teens in a shopping mall. Uh, there's a great head explosion in it. There's a lot of goofy teen sex humor. Uh, it's it's just fun. It's just fun. It's the lowest of lowbrow art, but if you're into this kind of thing, it's it's a winner. Um, let's go highbrow for a minute. Video drill, a movie I love. Uh, I love it too, and I did this one for favorite director because I think, as far as horror specifically, David Cronenberg has probably got done some of the most interesting stuff with the genre. Um, I love Videodrome, uh, even if you can. I mean, you got to get past the fact that terrible person James Woods is in it, but outside of that, um, I think it really works well. There's some great body horror in it. There's some great concepts about the future that you know VCRs and VHSs notwithstanding, the overall. Uh, concepts are definitely still true today. Although this one was fun because I watched it with uh, both my fiance and a friend of ours, and they both hated it. Uh, so that was really interesting to see. Mm. Um, talk about your guilty pleasure one, and then your anthology one, because I, I have I've seen both of these, so I'm very curious to hear more. Uh, guilty pleasure. Oh, Zombievers. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, Zombievers is, listen, it's a movie that's very easy to dismiss on the title alone, and it's not amazing, but it's about as good as a movie about zombie beavers can be, realistically. Uh, It's got a certain grungy, stupid charm to it. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's a guilty pleasure. That that says it all, I think. There's there's a point where the zombie beaver bites a bear, and it turns into a zombear beaver, and if that's something that you think is fun at all you'll probably enjoy it for what it is um and then anthology that was uh three extremes which was one Mm -hmm. that um i was looking forward to but it was a little lukewarm on 
Uh, it's three, uh, you know, uh, it's part of that whole Asian extreme era of early 2000s where they're just like, you know, the ring is big. The grudge is big. What do we got? What's what's from Asia that's intense and horror-y? Um, so it's uh, got uh, short films from Fruit Chan, Park Chan-wook, and uh, Takashi Miike. The latter two are among my favorite directors, period. Um, it's, I mean, any anthology is going to be a mixed bag. This one was a little disappointing because the middle one by Park Chan-wook uh, I thought was really strong. Um, the ending was a little weak, but overall it that was the most engaging one. And then Takashi Miike's, I mean... I love him, but he's always going to be a mixed bag of a director. And this one was a little too dreamy and a little too elusive. And I, and it's got one of those, you know, the twist ending happens in the last five seconds of the movie. And if you're not paying attention, you could literally miss it. Um, and then the first one is just about cooking fetuses into dumplings. And it's super gross. And they go really crunchy when people eat them. Yum, yum. Um, I, remember, I remember that one. Uh, I have one more for you and then we'll move on, though. I just want to amusingly bring up that i i missed a typo of yours because you had uh halloween 3 the love witch what yeah halloween 3 the love witch Did- which i've i fixed uh, but it's funny it came right after the love witch oh uh, and uh i probably fucked that up okay well good to know <laughs> I'm, I'm very I, I'm, I'm actually curious what that movie would have been like um but yeah um just because we've talked about things you like uh finish up on 13 ghosts <laughs> Uh, um, 13 Ghosts is a bad movie. 13 Ghosts yeah. is a very, very bad movie. I kind of had fun with it in like a trashy early 2000s kind of way. It's very much every trope that you associate with bad horror from that era is in this movie and cranked up to 11 or cranked up to 13, I should say. Yeah. Um, Matthew Lillard is making so many different choices with his performance and sometimes they even land. Um, there's some, the big thing I'd heard about this one is that the makeup was really incredible and like the design of the different ghosts. I mean, some of them are good. I mean, some of them work in like, in like a, you feel like you're going through like a Halloween horror nights attraction kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you can kind of like it as dumb fun, but it's also just kind of exhausting. And every time the ghosts show up, it does like the saw torture editing where it's just like. It can induce seizures because it's jump cutting so much. And at a certain point, it's just exhausting to sit through and you realize you got another hour to go. That felt like one of the wave of like teenagers need a horror movie to make out to in the early like 2000s. Like doesn't matter if it's good, just like cut a trailer that'll get like horny teenagers to go to. And uh, I I think it actually worked at the time. I don't remember how it did, but I, I remember it being like a thing that like, ooh. You know, maybe we'll go see it. Because remember, when you're a kid, you don't really know if a horror movie is good or not. It's just like, ooh, it seems almost like something I shouldn't. Yeah, like I also, am I allowed to see it? And I think also what Shannon Elizabeth was like, you know, a thing at the time. Uh, Open the $15 million. I think the thing for Uh, me that was the most interesting is when I was going through like the IMDb trivia. uh, Four different people from this production have basically said that this, they stopped working in Hollywood as a direct result of making this movie, which I find fascinating. I uh, I, I don't doubt it. Now I'm trying to guess who. Uh, so the director only made one other film, which was Ghost Ship, which is basically the same movie, but on a boat. Yeah, he's terrible. Um, uh, the woman who's the ghost, um, who's naked, naked ghost. Uh, this was the only movie she ever did, and 
I bet you can't guess why she didn't want to do another one. Yeah. Um, the babysitter, who I guess was also a rapper, who did the like song that plays over the credits that doesn't fit with the tone of the rest of the movie. This was the only movie she did. And uh, the the young son uh, took a break to focus on school after this, but then just didn't come back and do any more movies. So make of that what you will. Yeah. Well, everyone rush out and see 13 Ghosts. Or don't. Probably just don't. And uh, because we do nothing but, like, neck-breaking shifts in tone, let's talk about Best Picture now. <laughs> Where I feel like 13 Ghosts will not be a contender. Nor was it at the time. It, oh, I thought it was. I mean, it was on the long list. <laughs> you know, we, we, we people were thinking Channel Elizabeth was going to make that turn. But, uh, no. I, it decidedly was not. Maybe a shot at screenplay, so, but... I mean, makeup. So, uh, best picture. I uh, We're talking on November the 2nd. Some years, I feel like you kind of know where things are at already. Some years, you couldn't have the foggiest clue. This year seems like a bit of a mix. So... I'm going to go through my list and we'll go in uh, 30 to actually we'll go from 50 quickly. Um, I would say some of the top 10 are very obvious right now, but there is definitely room. So this does need to be updated. So bear with me. 50, no time to die. Not going to happen. 49, the green Knight. I would have to see some massive movement during the precursors. I wouldn't expect it. Uh, 48 Eternals. Uh, whoops. Though, that was one that, if you recall, a couple months ago, was higher on some people's lists. And then uh, we saw it. Hey, I maintain sight unseen that it was one that you at least couldn't dismiss. Yeah, that's why it showed up in the top 50. Uh, It will not be in the next update, though, fair warning. Uh, 47 Zola, that one, just the conversation, disappeared on that one. Uh, 46 uh, to 10, because realistically are you going to get enough members of the academy to vote for that that is the epitome of if it gets nominated for uh international and i think it will it will be a save from the group we just we kind of know that 45 i have the matrix resurrections which is the new eternals i guess yeah basically sight unseen we hope for the best kind of thing uh 44 mitchell's versus the machines again these are these are just like movies that would hope to make some play uh 43 old henry 42 the novice 41 annette 40 last night in soho that'll also probably be going soon 39 luca remember when we thought luca had a chance also when was the last time you thought about luca i like luca and i again you know pixar like... pixar's made a play in best picture again i think you can't rule it out not, yeah, not I anymore think, i but, think they yeah, i think but... their upcoming feature is going to be the one which one? Uh, is it Encanto? Is that how you pronounce it? That's isn't that Disney? I think that's just Disney. Pixar. Oh, that's not Pixar. Lightyear. Oh, okay. yeah. Which which looks fun, Oddly but maybe looks... not like a Best Picture nominee. Also, isn't that going to Disney Plus? So I don't even know if it'll. No, it's a theater. No, it's a theater. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Because I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love it. it. I'm super on board. It's one. It feels like it'll get nominated and not win, which is totally fine. They don't have to win every year, but I do like that. That was a when they announced that. Went. I don't care. And I just watched the trailer and went, oh, I care. <laughs> there we go. I'd be happy with uh, Luca, by the way. Yeah. For animated feature. Oh, yeah. Luca, sure. Luca and Mitchell's versus the Machines. Yeah, both up. of those. Actually. And 
whoever wins, we win. So 38, I have Pig, which we can dream. But again, not the Academy's cup of tea. 37, I had Stillwater. That conversation just disappeared. 36, I have Dear Evan Hansen, because <laughs> never, never, never doubt that the Academy can still be awful. That would be a like, very special brand of just tone-deaf awful, especially in a year where they really have to bend over backwards to get some goodwill back. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about the other musical contenders in a minute, but I'm telling you, watch out for it to show up. It's going to show up on, like, AFI or something, right? It's going to get one just, ugh, nomination to keep it kind of in the conversation. But I will move it down soon. Uh, 35, I have the card counter. I just... Seems like the conversation, again, like, just vanished. Though, don't doubt Oscar Isaac popping up more. Like, I think he could be a precursor player that, you know, is in it in the long run. Uh, 34, Journal for Jordan, which is just uh, a sight unseen. Like, it looks like a like a Christmassy romance movie, more so than a Oscar player. But we'll see. By the way, you guys can always chime in if you have a different take. Uh, but we're getting more into things that We'll factor in now. Uh, 33, the worst person in the world. Uh, Neon needs to actually, like, release it. But that movie is fucking phenomenal. Has anyone else seen it yet? Or is it just me still? I have not. I have not seen it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, I think, I guess you had to have been at a festival so far. I don't think they've screened it, like, for people yet. Uh, 32, the harder they fall, which, as you guys uh, listen to this, will be on Netflix. And is a lot of fun. And very cool. Mm. And I don't know... I don't think they're planning on campaigning it particularly much beyond like if it gets in the song or whatnot, but is a, is a fun, fun Western. I can't wait to watch it. I think you can watch it at midnight <laughs> or 3 a.m. today because uh, I think it drops tomorrow. So yesterday in terms of people listening to this now, uh, 31 respect that one just vanished again. <laughs> but like I, 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 I'm somewhat assuming it's going to come back. 30 is one of the more interesting cases. Some people have this one a lot higher than I do. Flea, which again is hmm. seeking to become a uh, animated foreign documentary best picture contender. I think a lot of that is because it is those things. And just like the Oscar prognosticator person, of which I am one, just loves the idea of that being a best picture nominee. But I... I I, I would have to see it to believe it. But there's going to be a push. Definitely going to be a push there. Uh, 29, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Movie's not good enough to get nominated for picture, but when has that mattered? And I think she's probably going to get into actress, so that will help. And also maybe makeup. So we'll see there. Uh, 28, The Hand of God. I, I think Netflix would have to work some witchcraft to get that in, but there are people who love it. 27 is Blue Bayou. That movie came and went. I know um, everyone or most of us have seen that one. Yep. I have seen it. Yeah, I wasn't really thrilled with it. Yeah. It can. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it's funny that that was focuses like last year when I was talking to focus reps about uh, promising woman still, we were, and they were like, Oh, do you think it can win? And like picking my brain about that. They were also putting into my head that Blue Bayou was their big thing for this year. And uh, I, I texted that same rep recently and was like, remember when that was the case? Because you know how you're all in on Belfast now, rightly so? So 
just keep in mind year in advance stuff means absolutely nothing because that movie is probably getting shut out i meant blue bayou not belfast yeah to come uh and number 26 i have a hero it's good but it's far hardy has been better at least i think there are people who think this is his best movie and they're i think nuts but time will tell i know everyone is interested in that movie at least so here's the top 25 and we can go around and as i say them tell me if you have predictions if they're in your top 10 25 the last duel does anyone have it in their top 10 uh no i i don't think it really has much of a chance honestly I'm I'm expecting to maybe see a push for Jodie Comer and definitely some technical stuff, but that's it. Yeah, I don't have a top ten, but I don't see it. If I did, I don't see it there. Yeah, definitely yeah, maybe I, costumes and Comer, but maybe. I think it is a dark horse and adapted screenplay because that category is rough. But mostly, it's going to be the other thing that helps Ben Affleck possibly win an Oscar. Because I think if you, which we'll talk about in a little bit, like if people love the Tender Bar, which I believe I'm seeing this week. You know, it only helps to also go, hey, he was he was batshit insane in the yeah, last yeah. duel too. True. Um, 24, The Lost Daughter. Mm, no. Haven't seen it yet, but what I'm hearing, it seems like Olivia Coleman's their best bet. No insight. Steve? No insight on this yeah, um, Olivia Coleman's very good. I think the script could get in because Academy does enjoy a actor who writes and Maggie Gyllenhaal writes and directs i didn't like the movie i'm one of the few but i i can definitely see it getting in there i don't i just i don't think netflix is gonna is gonna push it that that hard i think they're gonna let sort of the reviews work its magic and see what happens from there but i don't i don't see it going particularly far it's basically gonna do excellent with it did well with the gothams it'll do great with the spirit awards i could see like new york film critics uh circle liking it beyond that we'll see 23, In the Heights, a film we discussed at length when it came out. Uh, I actually, I still haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, it's great. I would love to see it in there. But I think if West Side Story is even fine, it's going to suck up all the air in the room. And then Tick, Tick, Boom is the other major question mark. But sure. um, if we're going with the with the idea that's been prevalent through the season that only one of the many musicals is getting in, it's hard for me to see it. Although again, I would love to, I would love it to happen. I, I think the uh, feelings in this range from love it to a lot of, eh, it was pretty good. And I think the ads pretty good is going to, to be its fate. Um, if West side story delivers or tick, tick boom delivers, they'll take the spot. But I honestly think, you know, I, I haven't seen any of them, but I have this feeling that I, we're kind of musicaled out at this point. I think four in a year is a lot, is my point. I mean, I don't know that it is, but I think none of the, you just need one of them to be a hit. Yeah. And In the Heights was medium. I, I it, Like, it wasn't a hit. But when it, it wasn't a failure. But when it comes people, to the audience, I think it wasn't any kind of cultural touchstone the way I feel like it was no. hoping for. I'm not saying critics. I'm, I'm thinking more general audience. So I think the general audience lack of response to it. You know, and that's why I feel, if anything, um, West Side Story might have a chance. But even then, that could be a that could be a flop. You never know. Yeah. yeah. I just think well, right now, is, though, people uh, like you know another musical. Yeah. Well, in the Heights, in the Heights, basically was like, oh, it's the first movie. That's kind of how people looked at it when it came when it came. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's the first thing I might go to see, or it's the first thing that like I'm gonna really go and like pop on hbo max for like it felt like oh movies are back 
in a way. So it got it got some publicity out of that. But in terms of the movie itself, I think it's good, not great. But also, I just don't know where it's going to find room to breathe to do anything. That's why it's it's where it is in the race. 22, I have Passing. Very much sort of the same thing I said about um, The Lost Order for Netflix. Though this one, obviously, is coming off of higher praise at Sundance. Does anyone have it in their top 10? I've yet to see it. I haven't seen yet either, but I I feel like this one could definitely be a dark horse and definitely a strong uh, acting contender. Dark, I would say, I don't have a, a list in front of me, but I would say maybe 11 to 15 for picture. What about Rebecca Hall for uh, director? Maybe it's a it's a I mean director. it's a crowded year, but maybe I mean if anything maybe screenplay, but I could see that. Yeah, twenty one, the French Dispatch. Um, uh, I don't was, know. That one moved down a lot for me. I had I think I had it as high as five at one point. Yeah, I don't really. I feel like there's like really honestly no talk about it right now online, which is kind of interesting because you know it is a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, people aren't yeah. raving about it the way they did when Grand Budapest came out. Yeah. I, I see this one doing really well in like costume and uh, you know, sort of technical stuff like that, production design. But I don't think uh, it's a picture contender. No. Yeah, I think that's um, Steve. One second, you'll go next. I just wanted to say I think that's where we are at with Wes Anderson now. I think this idea that like he's a big Oscar player was a little overblown. I think people got into Grand Budapest a lot, but now I think he's. When he makes something, I think it has to be seen as a longer shot for picture. But, you know, his production design, his cinematography, that kind of stuff, his the score is more fair game for, for getting it. That's that's sort of how I think things are going to go for this one and kind of maybe for him going forward. But, but who's to say? Steve, did you have a diverting? Yeah, I was just going to say, if he's going to win or even be nominated, I think he's going to have to tone down or turn down the Wes Anderson uh, of his films. And Not gonna I, I believe, yeah, exactly. Well, this is very high. Yeah, I heard this is like at, at an 11. Oh, it, it's it's west to the nth degree. Yeah. So I think you're, you're going to need a more of an, a 7 to 8 uh, range if you're going to see him get anything and still be a Wes Anderson film. But this one I heard, even fans are like, eh, it was good. Maybe after a second watch, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's, that's a bad sign. This one... This one goes to 11.53253. How Wes Anderson would tackle that. Um, as you can see, not funny because I don't find him funny. Uh, listen, we'll see. Could could show up some places, but I, I don't I don't foresee it happening right now. Now we're into the top twenty. Number twenty is a film I'm I'm actively trying to improve its lot in. As anyone who saw my predictions update can see, number twenty is Red Rocket. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen that, sadly. But, I mean, I've seen every all the trailers, and it, it, it looks really, really, really good. It looks really good. I think, Joey, you're going to be one of the people, and not the only one by any stretch, but I think that's going to be one of those films where people are trying to make it happen, but it, ultimately the Academy's taste just doesn't go that direction. Probably. Um, I, I do think that's where, like I said in the article, like I don't really go for like straight up advocacy like i want to be right and it's more my job to be right than to tell you how you should be voting whether you're a vote way if a voter or like tell the audience what should be happening we've we've spoken and like steve and i have spoken off air plenty about like 
people that we know in the industry who do that more and it, it can bother be bothersome because it's not it's not really the gig but there is also something to be said for knowing that there are people who vote who read the site and are especially at this point curious about what they should be watching or what they should be considering and and so much of the race happens before the movies are seen i will i will never forget this was 10 years ago i was at an event for Demian Bashir a for a better life interview with him up on the site right now and i was seated with an older academy member who was found out what i was doing you know academy predictions and stuff and wanted to know what's good what should i be seeing and i told him a couple of things and he hadn't heard of them but he interrupted me to go, have you seen the artist? Harvey told me that one's going to be good. And that's, there's, there's such an element of truth in that statement that reverberates throughout the race every year. What do we think is going to be good? What have we been told is going to be good? And <clears throat> it's usually pretty basic stuff. So like, you know, there's a couple of things on the list to come. They're good movies. They're in fact great movies in some cases, but we we're expecting them to do things because that's what the conversation is about. So part of that article is about like, well, why can't the conversation be about everyone says Simon Rex gives one of the best performances of the year. Why doesn't that translate? You know, where is the disconnect? Where instead we're talking about like, what if DiCaprio is just fine? He'll clearly get it. Like there's, there's that. So I, I guess I'm advocating, but I'm, I'm trying to like frame it in a way of like, open your minds up to a movie that I think if you give a chance to, you'll love. But if you, just assume it's not for you. Of course it won't be for you. We will see. At the end of the day, I think it's probably more realistically Simon Rex and screenplay or bust. I don't have much to say other than it would be nice if we did live in a vacuum once in a while because there's a lot of great films that don't have any support, but years later end up standing the test of time. So many films just slip through the cracks and it'd be nice if to see the Academy take a shot on one of these smaller films. Maybe this will be the one this year that Sneaks onto the radar, the awards radar. Hey. Well, it's certainly on, certainly on the awards radar. Uh, number nineteen, Cyrano, which I am seeing on Friday. The other one, I think it looks really good. Yeah, I think it looks uh, excellent. I think Peter Dinklage is definitely a, a best actor contender for sure. Um, I would, I, I don't know. I, I think similar to passing. I think I've got it in like my eleven to fifteen range where. It, it could break out. I think it. De- this was one of those ones where it depends more on what ends up happening with the competition, especially the sight unseen films, as to whether there's room for it or not. Mm-hmm. Looks good. We'll wait and see. Yeah. I think uh, we t- when we talked to Mark, he, uh, he had seen it and said it was uh, well-liked, but also mildly divisive, and that some people had just bounced off of. So we will see. Uh, 18, come on, come on. I see this tomorrow. Ah, I saw it a while ago. I quite I quite enjoyed it, though it might be too small for the Academy, though certainly worthy of contention. Yeah, what I've heard is that it's people like it a lot, and I think Joaquin is definitely uh, a contender and possibly like screenplay, but that tends to be the Mike Mills way, is that it's performances and screenplay yep. more so than picture, so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again here. Yeah, he has a brand. Got you? Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet either. <laughs> we'll, but we'll get you some stuff soon. Don't worry. Sounds good. Um, yeah, you just chime in when you've seen something. 
A couple, the next couple, no one's seen, so don't worry. Yeah, well, this year um, with with everything going back to in-person screenings, I I have options only because I'm in New York. But last year, these would have been things that would have I would have had yeah. links for. So, and also, are you really in New York? Uh, not right now, but I can be in about ten minutes. Exactly. Uh, number seventeen is a film I will be I will have seen by the time you hear this. And uh, I'm not sure if I can say that I saw it. So if anyone is listening, shut up. Uh, 17, House of Gucci. Yeah, I'll see you in the morning. This is is possibly the biggest wild card of the season in that it could be like a ginormous flop or it could dominate the race. Yep. The irony being that uh, I'm doing the, the early junket screening because I am potentially interviewing the screenwriter, which God knows how that'll go. But then... Wait till you hear this. I'm also potentially interviewing Jared Leto. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, should I give him, should I give you the, the rat that he hands me? Uh, if you can maintain it between that exchange and my wedding, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, listen, what if I bring him instead of Christy? Uh, I think Kelly would take issue with that. She's not a, not a big Jared Leto fan. Neither of us are. No. What if he what if he brought the fat suit? Uh, that would not improve his chances. All right. Fair enough. What if he objected as well? If uh, that might be now you, you kind of created want like a new nightmare scenario for me. Now I'm going to have a dream that like the wedding is going smoothly and then fucking Jared Leto shows up out of nowhere to object. And now we legally can't get married because this fucker just showed up out of nowhere. Don't you have, like, a license? Isn't it already technically? Yeah, but there's some statute where if somebody objects, you legally can't do it on the day. That's pretty awesome. It sucks. What? what, what, Is that a Florida thing or, like, an everywhere thing? I think it might be a Florida thing. I've heard it. I'm not sure if it's actually true or not, but now I'm imagining that scenario, and I hate it. it. Sounds like a drunk uncle with a shotgun scenario. Well, thank God we don't have any of those. Yeah. All right. Well, yes, it is a huge wild card. I know no one else has seen it. Does anyone have it currently in their, like, predictions? Not right now, no. No. Probably smart. He says not knowing. Watch, I'm going to love it. (laughs) Uh, It, I'll I'll be fascinated if you do love it. That'll definitely change things. Uh, It's very much not my vibe, but also it's got a That's why it'll be fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, technically, uh, Last Duel wasn't really my vibe either, but I, I liked it, so... We'll see. Can Ridley Scott make two in a year? That's asking a lot, but we'll see. Um, 16 is a movie that I see actually right as I get back from Miles' wedding um, at the New York premiere. Uh, tick, tick, boom. Now, does anyone have this in their top 10? I have it higher than a lot of those other musicals. I think it has definitely the best chance out of any musical probably this year. Uh, only real competition, I think, is West Side Story. Um, but yeah, I think it has a really good chance. Um, even though I haven't really seen a big push for it, um, I think it definitely does have a pretty good chance. Uh, definitely the best amongst all the musicals. Fair enough. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. Exactly the same thing, that it's between those two. And I think I give the edge to Tick, Tick, Boom. And also there's maybe a bit of anti-advocacy on my part that I really hope West Side Story doesn't happen. <laughs> um, that said, I've talked to a few people who have seen the musical that's based on, and they're saying it's not one that you should really get your hopes up for content wise. So we'll see how it translates. Yeah. Here, um, I'm going to do 15, 14, 13, and 12 together. 
and comment on any of them as you see fit. They're all ones that I think some people have in their 10, but I don't. 15 is The Tragedy of Macbeth. 14 is Don't Look Up, which was in my top 10, was actually my year in events winner. 13 is Nightmare Alley. Miles is saved from that argument today. And 12 is Parallel Mothers from Elmodovar. Um, out of those, I have Tragedy and Macbeth in my top 10. I don't know where exactly, um, but um, that one I feel like is going to do well. Nightmare Alley is a question mark, but I have a sneaking suspicion that even if it's good, it'll be like, it'll be like good Del Toro good, not like Oscar good. Yeah. Um, Parallel Mothers, I think Penelope Cruz is going to be a real contender, uh, but I don't know that the film's going to go all the way. And what was the other one? The other one was Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up? I think you've got it too high. <laughs> I think I think when in doubt, assume that people may not like uh, anime can anymore, but the Academy sure seems to. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That that clip they released was so rough. That clip was bad, but the script was not bad. So I'm curious. And that played like the script, just not visually. And obviously with like temp music. So um, I wonder about that one. I think it might get in somewhat on rep alone, but we'll see. Anyone anyone have any of these in their 10 besides Miles? Nope. <laughs> I don't have an official 10 yet, so but right. it's coming. Number 11. Um, another one that I think is maybe going to have a hard road to get in, but you you if you if you think it has a chance, you have to have it high mass. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I just, it, it, I think the real question mark is, will they embrace it or not? Yeah, that remains to be seen. Has not lit the box office on fire, but was never going to. So that's not a huge deal. It's more, will, will you be able to get Academy members to watch it? And watch it considering the whole film? Because I believe you can potentially even get in and out without necessarily having everyone watch the movie. I could see them just being like, oh, we like her. Go for it. But to get anything else, they have to watch the movie, and I, I do not know. Steve, uh, I could see it slipping in. I, you know, it's it's a tough it's a tough watch. You know, it's not like it's not a feel good film. So, but the performances are, are driving it. I I could see all four of them pulling off individual nominations, but as a film, it's a tough call right now with so many different films in the mix, and many of them I'm just basing my thoughts based on their reputation. And an early buzz. So until I see a few yeah. more, it's a tough call, but it could slip in there. Yeah. Uh, it just does feel weird to be like, oh, yeah, I can get four acting nominations, but not get in the picture. Like, that doesn't translate. So we'll see. Uh, here is my current top 10. Um, number 10, actually, this benefits Steve because he just saw the movie. Number 10, I have Spencer. Uh, I could see it slipping in there. Obviously, the comparisons to Jackie are. You know, there for an obvious reason. But um, like Jackie, though, I think it could be one that, that may sit on that bubble and slip out at the last second. But Kristen Stewart is pretty much a lock and should be. If if there is a guarantee this year, she's it. She disappeared in the role. And, I, you know, it sounds cliche, but she really did. I was watching it, you know, an hour and, what, 47 minutes long? And there were just maybe a shot or two where you say, oh, that's Kristen Stewart. But otherwise, she's just gone. And it, from from sh- you know the very second she hits the screen, um, and some of it is the hair. They did a, an amazing job with the hair, makeup, and costumes. 
there's much more to the performance. She doesn't hide behind those things. It's just her mannerisms uh, and the the accent. She holds it. She she nails it, and she holds it all the way through. Not a not a flaw there. But yeah, uh, as a film, I think it's going to be a little more divisive than maybe expected because it is not a straight up biopic. There's more to this, so it's hard to say how that will play for your more general audience. I think it might have a little tougher time. Because I wouldn't expect a huge box office. Maybe a big opening weekend, but after that, I think it'll put up modest numbers. But it could definitely make the 10, because there's a lot going for it. If voters look beyond the performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm inclined to feel the same way. I think as much as there is any luck for anything, especially in Best Actress, I think she's in. Um, the movie, because I do think back on Jackie, where they love the performance, but the movie itself got a little shut out. I think... Based on what I've heard, it could really go either way. I have it in my 10 right now, but right at the edge where something else could easily bump it out. Indeed. Okay. I, I think it has a pretty good chance at uh, getting in the top 10 for sure. Uh, I personally think it looks like a movie that the Academy would really like. Um, but I agree with all you guys that uh, Kristen Stewart probably will. Um, I think she definitely will get a nomination. And I'd be pretty shocked if she didn't, honestly, because it looks like a kind of like for sure thing at this point it does a lot well the you know the costume design the production design the cinematography the score uh the acting the screenplay is a little sketchy at times but you know there's so much it does well so it it does look like a best picture nom oh yeah number nine i'm pretty sure everyone has seen i have dune yeah you were smart to finally right. move it into your 10, because I think in a year of 10 where there's usually always at least one big like event movie or sci-fi movie or genre movie, this feels like a lock to me. I would be oh, stunned yeah. if it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. Me too. Steve? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I think a lot of people are going to want a, a complete film, and I think being, you know half a movie is going to hurt it. Um, but with that said, you know, it's stunning. It's the, the sound design, the cinematography, there's so much going for it. Uh, and to, to deliver on a Dune film that was delayed as long as it was, and it had all the early talks, you know, it, it easily could have been ripped apart. People like it. So, you know, it, it could slip in there. Yeah, I uh, expect it to move higher in the in the weeks to come. But yeah, some people might ding it for not being a complete movie. I don't know if that's going to matter that Ooh. much. Um, yeah, it being a back to mandatory 10, it is the clearest cut like we need a big movie. One, especially one now that Eternals is all but out of the running. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't have much competition in that regard. Yeah, indeed. Number eight. This one uh, just sort of like appeared again, uh, being the Ricardos, uh, soon to screen. Is that else in anyone else's tent? Uh, it's not in mine, but I am sort of reserving judgment until people have actually seen it. Um, the trailer didn't inspire a lot, but of course you can't rule out Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, no, I don't have it in my tent. I haven't seen it either, but... Uh... Like, I haven't seen it, but I don't I don't think it really has that strong of a chance, honestly. The, the trailer didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. So it is Sorkin, but I, yeah. you know, the casting I'm not big on. And then the trailer, 
look like they were hiding Lucy, um, that's scary in itself. So hmm, we'll see. Uh, number seven, the infamous West Side Story. I've got it in my 10, but I really don't want to. I want this to flop because, I mean, there's the Ansel Elgort of it all, which just puts the whole thing with a bad taste in my mouth. But beyond that, even if he wasn't in it, there's just nothing about this is appealing to me. People are only talking about it because it's Spielberg. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be impressive, but I don't see it yet. Yeah. Anyone, anyone else? Uh, we all kind of on the same boat of like, it'll probably happen, but we're not like particularly thrilled about it. <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. That seems about right. Uh, next up, we have the Tender Bar, which I'm on the cusp of seeing, and is sort of the late breaking, like, oh, this is better than people thought it was, or people didn't know what to make of it. It's actually really good vibe. Uh, yeah, I don't have it in my ten, but I could definitely see it happening. I could definitely see a supporting nomination for Ben Affleck. Um, Ty Sheridan has been quite a bit of a turnoff for me in most things he's done lately, but this could be the one that turns that around. Fair, fair. I know little about this one, honestly. I, I know it by name. I know some of the uh, the players in it, but I haven't seen a trailer even. So um, I'm, I'm actually knowing that you had it this high up. It's one of those films I'm just going to avoid until I have an opportunity to see it and uh, and let it be completely fresh. Full thoughts on it coming soon-ish. Uh, number five, a film I think everyone has seen, Coda. Yes. Uh, I think it has a pretty good chance, although I've noticed that the talk about it has you know, died down quite a lot ever since it came out. Um, but I, I do think it still has a pretty good chance because it seems like it left a good impression on most people, um, including myself. And so I think it'll get... I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll get something. I'm just not sure if it is top 10 for me anymore because the talk has just died down so significantly at least from what i've seen hmm. yeah miles yeah i kind of agree i have it in my 10 still but um the talk has definitely died down that said it, it got such a surge of goodwill when it came out um like if anything from the first stretch of the year is is gonna get through i feel like this is gonna be the one that sort of stands out um yeah but uh it'll be it'll I think the, the, the Critics Awards and other things can sort of bring this one back into the conversation. Uh, so I think that'll sort of determine how things go. There was an event <clears throat> or two in New York recently with the cast and, and director and stuff like that. So I think a lot of the stuff is very insular right now because of limited capacity and things like that. So it might be that we're just not going to hear about like, oh, this played like gangbusters to the Academy because you're not going to get enough of them in a room. To necessarily get the sense of how things are going. That's my hunch right now. So I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know if we're going to hear about like, oh, it played so well that the Academy, it may be on a much smaller basis. I love this film. Um, and I honestly think it could possibly win Best Picture. I think it's got, I think what you're going to need a little bit of the uh, the marketing machine, you know, to build up some buzz and, and make sure it stays on people's radar, even because it has been out for a while. You mean the the awards radar. radar? Yes, the uh, only radar, the only radar that matters. Um, but I think, mm. despite what you'll hear from yeah, yeah, competing those, sides, they're full of baloney. Um, but the acting, I hope it doesn't become one where only like you know the father, forget the name of the actor, where he gets a nomination. Troy Cutter. Oh, thank you. 
or cops but uh, i'm hoping it, it it does uh lend quite a few because i think it's uh i think it's a special film and but i do also think it's a very uh, it's a it's it's a feel-good film but it's also a kind of a general audience film where how do you not like this where a lot of these other films that are up there this year uh i think there's you know maybe not it's divisive but style wise not every, not everyone's going to be a, a cup of tea. What what hurts it is Belfast, where that has a very similar audience. Right, right. No, I, I agree though. There, both movies are kind of appealing to the same emotional yeah. sort of yes sense of this one the, being the feel good yeah. movie. This one has a much different set of content than what I'm about to say. But with Coda, I think I get Jojo Rabbit vibes. Like there are people who will dismiss it, and there are people who are going to love it. But it's going to play really well to the people who make the mm-hmm. decisions. Just Jojo Rabbit got a big push and we don't know what Coda is going to get. Because remember, there was there was a lot of segments of people like, oh, Jojo Rabbit, it's, it did nothing for me. I think one of the challenges for Coda is it being on Apple TV+. Plus. They need yeah, to get their that. content out to a wider audience. I know they, they you know, it's on their service, but uh, you know they don't have huge numbers. And until they do, it's not going to get that natural buzz. This film should have a lot of buzz this film should be talked about they really do need to make a push with it and expand its reach well i mean all the people who watch ted lasso I yeah guess, but it. no i don't think i don't think that's true honestly i think a lot of i don't know i think that that's... i think ted lasso tends to be you know the the big tentpole you know show and everything else kind of is eh, if you explore through it it's 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 a tough service Maybe. They're, they're, it's still growing. Unlike Disney Plus and others that came yeah. with a bunch of content that people knew of and had previous uh, relationships with, this this is all fresh content. So it's uh, it's a it's a tougher uphill battle. You know, I'm hoping people do explore and do, and do watch yeah. it though. Uh, next up, another potential crowd pleaser, King Richard. Does anyone have this in their top ten? Uh, yes, I think it's going to have a really good chance. Um, I think I don't know. This seems like one of those movies that. Uh, just like um, you know, Coda, it, it, it's very much so. It's like an, you know, it's a feel-good kind of movie, and so I feel like you know the Academy really does like those, and so I feel like it does have a really good chance. I, I'd say it's definitely in the top ten. Yeah, it's limited by being a sports movie, but yeah, for sure, everything you said is accurate. Miles, Steve, uh, yeah, I got it in my top ten for sure. If anything, I think being a sports movie helps it because it helps it not get yeah. lumped in with like Belfast and Coda. And it's also got the biopic sort of thing going for it as well, even though it's not the focus isn't where you would expect it to be. But I think also the fact that right now I would say that Will Smith is the best actor front runner. I think that's going to give this one a lot of legs. Uh, this is a film I'm going to have to see to believe. Uh, but everyone I hear who has seen it really enjoyed it. And same thing about Will Smith, that he's. Pretty much a lock. <clears throat> I didn't love the trailer. The trailer felt kind of dated to me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to wait till I see the film to really uh, make a true assessment. But based on what I'm hearing, it sounds like we're looking top 10. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I don't, the movie itself doesn't feel like it's good enough to get in, but that doesn't matter if they love him as much as I think they're going to. You could easily bring them along. Yeah, being a year of 10, this is the tough crowd. We will see a lot in the next few weeks as the as things start to settle. You know, how high are people on Dune? Where does Spencer land? Where does Mass land? Those type of films. I mean, how much how much spice are they uh, consuming? Exactly. You know I mean? But where, where do all these kind of live? Are they 
bubble or you know who who are the locks because right now even the locks don't seem like locks um, yeah i mean we'll we'll so see it's gonna be interesting i mean year. the movie about yeah the movie about space cocaine could be a best picture nominee all right top three time one of them sight unseen the other two i have seen number three licorice pizza um i don't know i want it to, i want to i want it to happen but it's just so hard to say sight unseen. Mm-hmm. But PTA, he's done pretty well with his last few films, you know, Inherent Vice notwithstanding. But it's hard to tell if it's going to be that kind of movie because, if anything, it seems less ambitious than the ones that do tend to hit with the Academy, which doesn't necessarily mean it won't be as good, but just that they might not respond to it in the same way. Yeah. Also, there's quite the- a few coming-of-age films in the running already, so that could definitely count against it. True. The rumor is that it apparently test screened, which always could be bullshit, but apparently played like a like sort of like Lady Bird, which could be could be good for it. Yeah, Steve, it, Kyle, it looks good. Um, it it doesn't really give off strong uh, PTA vibes, which I don't know if that works for it or against it. Maybe I think both. I think it's a push. I think it helps yeah. with the people who don't like him, and it is indifferent to the people who love him. I'm 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 really looking forward. It's actually probably my most anticipated film that I do not either have lined up or have not seen at this point. I think it looks really it good sense. as well. I think it has a fairly good chance. Um, interestingly, I just don't think it has you know that big push right now. I mean, obviously that might change, uh, you know, relatively soon. But I still think it ha- it has a really good chance. I'd say. Uh, number two, the power of the dog. I see this next Wednesday. I will have seen it for the second time by then. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think if you don't if ahead. you don't have this in your ten, you're nuts. But go ahead. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is, this is my number two as well, and I think it's going to do really well. I think this. Outside of something like Dune, this is kind of going to take the the darker film sort of spot, and uh, just the raves that have come out from multiple festivals have been so consistent. Um, I would be very surprised if this one fell by the wayside right now. It looks like even if it doesn't win a lot, it's a sure thing to get a bunch of nominations. Yep. And I assume we all have the same number one in Belfast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right now there's just no information out there that you can really use to say otherwise. Did you see it yet? Miles? Not yet, but I'm going to as soon as it's out. Okay. I saw it yesterday. Um, yeah, it's it's a lock, I think. I don't see how it couldn't be. Um, and I think it's going to have a do well uh, on in cinematography, possibly editing. There's, there's a lot that works for it. So, um, One thing I, I was thinking of, though, I kind of – last duel, I don't know. I, I, I think 25 is low. I think that one could sneak in. As a ten spot, I think that could be you know only the problem. It's it, the challenge is it, it had a, a terrible box office. Um, yeah, but talking about big movies, it's got big stars. It's Ridley Scott. Yeah, I don't know. That could be a that could be a sleeper. I mean, once don't once we see what like the the PGA goes. Yeah, for. there's a lot out there that are still question marks. So yeah, I mean, so many of these are going to need a win somewhere, mm-hmm. or at least to show up in several places. So. 
Well, and you we have like see. if Licorice Pizza and Don't Look Up and West Side Story and Nightmare Alley, if those all like just face plant and aren't anything, then there's a lot of room for some things that we might have dismissed to really jump out here. Exactly. Yeah, it could be a really interesting year. Yeah, it's it's just uh, we're we're waiting, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of this is deck chairs on the Titanic until we know where things land with the people actually make the decision. People like me. So, yeah, sure. I have to make my top ten um, list. Then it becomes official. Go. As of right now, from what you've seen, what is your dream uh, ten spot? That you know, a, a film right. that slips in is your number ten. That may not be, probably not expected. Uh, Red Rocket, like it's my favorite film of the year. So getting it into the ten would be great. And I mean, that would be, I think, an interesting like the cult of a24 works type scenario because they're a brand at this point but i don't know that they're a brand of the academy so if that can that can translate but also i don't know what their priorities are this year yet they seem somewhat torn between come on come on and red rocket so the more i the more i see there i'll know better if it's even possible but yeah if if i could just snap my fingers and, and 10 is whatever i want it to be it would it would probably be uh, red rocket So, uh, yeah, similar logic. If if I could just put something in there that is not going to get campaigned and most people would say has no business being there, but I just personally love, uh, it would be The Suicide Squad. It's not an Oscar yeah. movie, but I'd love to see a Mad Max Fury Road type situation where something that <laughs> insane just gets in there apropos of nothing. It would make my life or it would make my sure. year at least outside of the whole getting married thing. I was about to say, is, is your soon to be wife not like but you know what she loves suicide squad too so she might prioritize it too we'd have to see what if what if james gunn objects if james <laughs> like he declines the nomination no objects no, no to, i mean objects to the wedding yeah, he stands up object i mean we'd hear him out yeah i was about to say i can i can make some calls see who i see who i can get down there next weekend that would that would definitely put me on an emotional roller coaster i'll tell you that Followed by most of your family going, who is this man? Kaya, do you have a, uh, a 10? S- uh, in 10? I think, uh, I would say probably The Night House, honestly. Um, cool. I don't know, it was one of like those it. movies where um, I had literally no idea what to expect going in. Uh, didn't know what it was about, didn't see any trailer, uh, and I absolutely loved it. Um, right now, it's my number two of the year, right behind Dune. Um, although I always flip flop between the two. So I, I feel like I would probably pick the night house. I mean, I don't sure. think it has a chance, honestly. No, it, do- it doesn't, but that's yeah. cool too. Uh, I like that movie. Uh, Steve, I imagine you have one since you brought this uh, up. I, just looking at the list. I think I would love to see pig show up. I, you yeah, know, that would be such that'd a, be awesome. I, I think we, st- we need to keep the Nicholas cage talk alive at the yeah. very least. Yeah. There's oh, yeah. there's several categories that if the the academy is watching and open uh, that it could slip in for. But you know what happens? There's so many films, and toward the end, it becomes the usual like you know beloved ten to fifteen, and everything else is just cast aside. So hopefully that's not the case this year, and get a few surprises. Speaking of seamless transitions, we have another installment of our semi irregular segment, Radar Reviews. And uh, Steve and I have a new film that we've seen recently that we have some thoughts on, and so we're going to share them with you now. 
This week's film is Lamb, uh, which has been out for a little while now, but has mostly flown under the radar. It is the feature directorial debut of Valdemar Johansson, and I apologize in advance if I butcher any of these names, uh, but it stars uh, Numi Rapace, who most people will know as the original girl with the dragon tattoo, as well as her role in Prometheus and a bunch of other things. Uh, it stars her and Hilmar Snare Guanason. Again, many apologies if I'm butchering that. Hey, if you're going to butcher a name, you may as well do it in a film called Lamb. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Um, this film uh, centers on a uh, farming couple. They very much live out in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, they have a set of lambs and sheep, and they just tend to their flock. Uh, they're without child, and that seems somewhat significant. And without giving too much away, uh, both the trailers and it's revealed pretty early on in the film, one of their lambs gives birth to something of a lamb-human hybrid. And uh, without in a, in a touch that's kind of interesting in that it's almost unspoken, uh, they both decide to sort of take it in and raise it as their own. And the film sort of deals with the repercussions of that decision and uh, follows them for what looks like at least a few years uh, as they're raising this human lamb child and um, uh, sort of what unfurls from there. Uh, later on, um, uh, the husband's brother, who is played by Bjorn Holliner Haraldson, nailed it. Uh, joins the yeah, nailed it. Uh, joins the cast and. Um, he has uh, his own sort of perspective in the whole situation, but that character takes a few um, interesting twists and turns. Uh, Steve, what did you think of Lamb? I went into this pretty much in the dark. I saw the name of the poster and, and knew me was involved, and I said, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I kind of feel like I left still a little bit in the dark. The, the tone is so strange. And what it seems to be offering, you don't really know what you're going to be getting. And then when you think you put your finger on it, things take another turn. If you're looking for a horror film, I think you'll be disappointed. And I know that some people have categorized this in, in the horror realm. If it's a family drama about loss, you know, these people taking in a, a, a lamb child, I think that's more satisfying. And you know, it's got some sweet moments as we watch this atypical family form. And as Ada becomes more human-like and becomes more of a child to them, it, it's oddly kind of sweet. Oh yeah, by the way, Ada's the name of the lamb, if we haven't mentioned that yet. But I, I think it plays best as a fable, you know, a kind of a dark fable. You know, one of those old-school fables that's kind of sweet and innocent on the outside, but more menacing and ominous below the surface. But even as a fable, I don't think it fully works for me. I enjoyed it, but I think I could have enjoyed it more with a few tweaks. How about you? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think describing it as sort of a darker fable or fairy tale of sorts is very apt. Uh, it does come from A24, and um, I know you make a habit of not watching trailers, which I commend mm -hmm. you for. Um, but the trailer and even the score within the movie itself possibly sets up an expectation that it's going to go in a more horror-centric direction, and it never really fully commits to that. Um, I thought it was very interesting. I definitely wasn't bored while watching it. Uh, it's got a very... The director has a very confident sense of mood and tone and atmosphere. They've got an amazing setting um, 
which seems to be almost perpetually drenched in fog. Uh, the isolation of the characters is very palpable. Their relationship and their family dynamics are very strongly communicated, even though it's not a very dialogue-heavy movie. For the first half or so, there's barely any dialogue. It's a lot of sort of wordless interactions between the characters um, and the occasional tangent about time travel and, uh, you know, things that don't have anything to do with what's happening, but maybe communicate some deeper uh, concerns with the characters. Uh, I think the performances are all strong. Numi Rapace is an actress I always love to see in things, and I always like when she has a role that she can kind of sink her teeth into. And um, it's it's not a role that has any big sort of emotional moments. There's like one or two that are, you know, pretty severe, but even those are, I would almost say she underplays. Um, but she's very good. The husband as well, um, Hilmir, I don't want to butcher the rest of his name again, um, he definitely grew on me as the film went on because at first he seems a bit more reserved and a bit more, you know, taciturn. But uh, as the film goes on, he shows off a warmer side and uh, he especially has a unique bond that um, he shares with Ada. And um, it has to be said, um, you know, even though it's a little jarring and a little unnerving even maybe at first, uh, the, the character design of Ada definitely grows on you. And I think she's just freaking adorable yeah yeah and um if nothing else the film definitely introduces a new sort of character into cinema that i think will definitely linger with some people yeah i thought you know you hit on something about i didn't see the trailer so i didn't know going in exactly what tone to expect um but but they end up kind of showing their hand pretty early on giving you hints of that there's something more ominous at play there are those moments with the lambs, with the glowing eyes and the dark shot of the barn. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And while doing so, they have this kind of dark and, and, and moody, almost sinister score playing underneath it all. It's all shot uh, to build some sort of anticipation. I just have to wonder if they didn't reveal that so early on and you went into this thinking this is some sort of sweet fable about a family adopting a baby lamb child. Then as the story goes on, there more of the darker elements are revealed. Would that be more have more impact? Because as is, you're kind of waiting the whole time. Like, okay, what's you know, why are you showing this to me if this is not going to factor in later? Because throughout the film, it's really just a story about a family. It's uh, you know, a husband, a wife, an uncle, and and the child uh, on a farm. It's only these brief moments where they have these hints of this uh, oncoming darkness. Um, Maybe I'm off. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the opening minutes especially, there's like a shot that I think is maybe the first shot of the film that reminded me a lot of the opening of Jaws, where it's like a POV shot that's sort of, you know, going through the fog and sort of getting closer to the wildlife. And, you know, there's like this breathing that's present. And then, mm -hmm. like you said, um, sort of the shots um, with the sheep or the lambs, um, you know, with their eyes glowing in the dark. And even though the core content of what the characters are getting up to is pretty, you know, as standards as it can be given the situation, there are these undercurrents that something sinister is afoot. Yes. There's one or two moments where, you know, something kind of vicious happens or is suggested that it might happen. But I feel like given the expectation that is set up far earlier than the family drama, I think there is a sense that you are waiting for another shoe to drop and even mm -hmm. though there is something somewhat startling that happens at the end, I don't know if it's so startling or horrific that it justifies the build-up. 
And I think there's that. I think you're absolutely right that if they had played it more as like kind of a sweet sort of family story and, you know, they have some complications and, you know, there's some back and forth and, you know, maybe it's this, you know, metaphor for loss. Uh, it's implied yeah. that they had a, they had a, a previous daughter that uh, was either stillborn or that died very young. Um, and that it's hinted at, but it's very, it's not dug into very much. And I almost feel like if they'd gotten more into the family dynamics and less with this creeping foreboding atmosphere, then the film would feel more successful than it ultimately does. So once those things are hinted, you're always going to be anticipated. It's kind of like going into an M night Shyamalan film. You go in with an expectation of what's a twist. So it's very difficult to remove that expectation from your mind. That's not to say it doesn't work at all. It's just, I think there was a way to make it even more effective. There is a lot here to appreciate. I I think, I yeah, I, I tend to agree. It seems, it's very assured. And I want to definitely get that across. It looks great. It sounds mm-hmm. great. It's very technically proficient. Uh, the actors are all doing exactly what's being asked of them. Nothing on this movie seems like it's being done by accident. One small thing, and this is something that doesn't always jump out at me in movie, but there's some amazing animal acting in this movie. Um, From the dog, from all the various um, lambs that they have. There's a number of, uh, there's one lamb in particular outside of Ada that um, sort of has a, you know, a distinctive arc throughout. Um, And... Yeah, the, the supporting performances role. they're able to get uh, from all these different animals and some of them playing off of each other, you know, there are whole scenes that just revolve around some of the animals and they absolutely make them work. So that kind of stood out to me. Yeah, that's a good call. I've been meaning to ask. What was your take on the uncle, though? The I... uncle, I think he's... I, I think you're right in the sense that he's there to sort of show that outsider perspective and sort of you know, have that opinion and maybe challenge them on the decision that they've made to raise this child. I, he goes in a different direction than you might expect and that the movie, the movie sets him up very much one way. And then without giving anything away, there's a hard left turn that happens with that character. It almost feels like it happens off screen, which I mean, it does happen off screen. And then the next time you see him, it's almost like he's a different character, but then they still kind of give him those sinister undertones but then that whole subplot is kind of resolved in a way that doesn't connect to the overall conclusion. Uh, it, so it felt it felt like there was more that could maybe have been done, or even less that could have been done. It's hard to say. Um, but he did. He definitely served the purpose of mixing up the dynamic, mm-hmm. and I think that aspect of it is interesting. But I, I think because he was sort of ill-defined as a character on his own. And it wasn't until much later into the movie that you got any kind of sense of his backstory or what kind of person he is beyond sort of a simple wordless introduction. Um, Like it wasn't immediately clear to me that he was even related to them because he kind of wanders onto the farm and he's looking at stuff from a distance and then he sleeps in the barn. Like it wasn't clear until he and uh, Ingvar have a conversation that they were even related, Um, which maybe is intentional because again, it's building up that atmosphere, but I think what we're both sort of getting at is that the movie has a very deliberate atmosphere, but maybe that atmosphere isn't necessarily the right one for the story that's being told. Yeah. That character probably could have been trimmed down quite a bit and actually 
reducing the runtime because I think that is one of the issues I had with the film. You do have a very deliberate pacing. There are a lot of moments of prolonged silence without dialogue. And in those moments, you feel the pain of the characters. These two people who have suffered loss, finding uh, a kind of a new life. And, and I, I don't like that. It's kind of a very natural feel to it. When they introduce the uncle, he has a purpose, but I think they could have trimmed it down just a little bit to keep this flowing. 10 or 15 minutes in the middle would have tightened it up enough to really help uh, help the impact of the film as a, as a whole, to really drive it home. Yeah, no, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, if, in a perfect world, do you feel like this could see any kind of uh, awards consideration? So, Numi Rapace would be the acting performance that I think would draw the most attention. She does great work even with limited dialogue. The score and the cinematography are the other two. The visual effects, while I do think they work, especially with Ada, who I did fall in love with by the end, the Academy typically goes for much bigger, bolder uh, effects. So, uh, But I, I think the strongest chance it would have would be cinematography. Okay. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree. I think, yeah, if any of the actors would get in, it would be Numi Rapace, partially because she's more well-known outside of Sweden, but also I think her role is the one that lends itself the most to um, sort of awards consideration. Uh, Yeah, cinematography, potentially score. Um, The visual effects are interesting. So the director, it's his feature debut, but he has worked in Hollywood for many years um, behind the scenes. And on a number of bigger movies in the special effects department. So one wonders if that sort of translated to the creation of Ada, uh, whether he sort of did that largely himself, or at least that gave him the know-how. Um, but that said, I agree with you. It's it's a little minimal of an effect, so it would be hard for me to imagine um, it being embraced. And I think it is, it's definitely a singular movie. It's a movie that's probably an acquired taste. Um, I don't think either of us necessarily connected to it in any great way but i've definitely seen a lot of positive reception to it um critically and just from audiences and twitter and so forth so i feel like there definitely is an audience for it but how much overlap that audience would have with academy members it's much harder to say yeah overall i I, out of five i'd give it i think three is a fair grade yeah i would probably give it the exact same I could see after some rewatches, maybe appreciating it more, not going in or actually knowing what was coming of it and being able to enjoy what it is rather than what I anticipated. I know people who I would recommend it to and say, hey, give it a shot, but you know, be patient. But for the average viewer, it's a tough sell and this is never going to have a, a huge audience. But I think it will have a, a loyal following, and it deserves to. And just like a plate of lamb chops, the film lamb looks to be an acquired taste. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It's uh, it's a movie that a select, smaller group are absolutely going to love, but um, it's going to be a harder sell for mainstream audiences in general. All right, well, I think that's about it for our review of lamb. Absolutely. Uh, this has been a Radar Review, and now back to whatever Joey was talking about. What was that you were saying, Joe? And in the meantime, we're going to talk about the 87th Academy Awards as we do our our Oscar recalibration game. This was uh, the year Birdman won and also the year that the aforementioned Grand Budapest Hotel did very well. So will that remain? Ooh, we'll see. Um, Caillou, just in case you need to be uh, reminded of the rules, I will tell everyone what the (laughs) 
nominees and winners were in the category, and you will all vote on whether we're keeping the winner or recalling majority rules. So if we get enough people to say that they want to do it, we do it. Uh, tie goes to the runner, so if two people say yes and two people say no, we'll recall. You can still pick the, the winner, but uh, then we decide uh, what to, what does win. And I think uh, we've gone back to if there's a tie, the original winner wins. So there you go. And here, you'll get to try it out. Best visual effects. Interstellar won that one. If we recall, your options are Captain America the Winter Soldier, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Guardians of the Galaxy, and X-Men Days of Future Past. Same uh, order as before. Miles, start us off. Um, there's some solid nominees. Guardians gets a lot of point for creativity, and I love the motion capture work in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but I would definitely leave it with Interstellar. That movie's beautiful. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that uh, Interstellar definitely holds up the most as well. Uh, just like you said, uh, Guardians is a really beautiful-looking movie, in my opinion, but Interstellar was, in many ways, I would say a game-changer in terms of the visuals, especially that year and so yeah i definitely think it would it should stay i'm gonna say recall hmm. uh interstellar was my favorite film that year so uh leave okay it. I, I i think dawn of the planet i think all the planet of the apes films were under that would have been my second choice. way underappreciated that's the only thing it's like and then and the motion capture it's it's that was the turning point i think between oh, oh good it's second and, and it yeah, looks so good it's incredible yeah uh, best film editing, Whiplash wins. If you recall, and frankly, I'm not sure why you would, your options are American Sniper, Boyhood, which I think is the interesting other option, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and The Imitation Game. Man, this was a good year. Um, I would leave it. The editing in particular in Whiplash is phenomenal. Yeah, I definitely agree. I would, I would say Whiplash should stay. Leave it. Yeah, leave it. All right. Now we're getting a little more interesting. Uh, best costume design, the Grand Budapest Hotel wins. If you recall, you've got Inherent Vice, Into the Woods, Maleficent, and Mr. Turner. Not great movies, no. but some interesting <laughs> costumes there. Uh, both for the movie and the quality of the costume design, I say leave it with Grand Budapest. I'm going to make yeah. it interesting and jump in and say I'm going to recall. Ooh. <laughs> No, I I think uh, Grand Budapest should stay. Um, Maleficent had I like the costumes in that movie, but Grand Budapest, I just think everything about the way that movie looks, like the costumes, everything. I think it was just amazing. So I I would say it should stay. I think the Grand Budapest has very memorable costumes, um, and and with a, a large cast, and therefore I think it shall stay. What were you thinking, Joe? Uh, I was gonna go with Hair and Vice, even though I don't like the movie. Interesting. Just kind of like the, the hippie look of yeah. it all. Uh, makeup and hairstyling. Grand Budapest Hotel. If you recall, we've got Foxcatcher for a nose and Guardians of the Galaxy. Which one won? I'm sorry. Budapest. Gra- Budapest? For, oh, for makeup. Oh, but they did make Tilda Swinton look like a really good old lady. Yeah, I'd say keep it. Although I do like the Guardians makeup. Good call on that. Hmm. I, I honestly, I think... I, it should be recalled because uh, I really thought... You don't have the... to say what your favorite is yet. Don't don't sweat anyone. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait till we get to the next wave. Let's see. If if we don't, then you can say. Steve? I'm going to say keep it. Hmm. I'm going to say recall. Ooh. There you go. All right. Our first recall. Potentially. Miles, are you keeping Grand Budapest or are you moving? I'm keeping Grand Budapest. All right. Okay. You're up. 
I think this Foxcatcher um, in particular, uh, I thought it had amazing, you know, just amazing makeup because I've always been a fan of Steve Carell and I've seen him in years. And the first time I, as I was even remotely even knew what Foxcatcher was, I just saw a clip of it online. I didn't even know it was Steve Carell until I kind of looked harder. And so I thought it was just really great stuff there. Um, the other ones are great as well. Like, especially, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is a lot of crazy creatures in that movie and all that. But I just, you know, the fact that I couldn't recognize an actor I loved, you know, that's just amazing to me. So, yeah. Cool. I'm going to stay Grand Budapest. All right. Well, it, it keeps its throne. I, I would have gone Foxcatcher also. So there we go. Uh, production design. Grand Budapest Hotel wins again. The options, if you recall, are The Imitation Game, Interstellar, Into the Woods, and Mr. Turner. Uh, I say leave it. I think the production design is some of the best in any Wes Anderson film. Definitely agree. Agree. Keep it. I would have recalled for Interstellar. Cinematography. Chiva wins. Birdman. If you recall, you've got the Grand Budapest Hotel. You've got Ida. You've got Dick Poop for Mr. Turner. <laughs> it happens. And unbroken Roger Deakins. <laughs> Poop happens. Which one was Roger Deakins for? Uh, unbroken, unfortunately. Oh, that's a shame. It's a lesser um, Deakins. Yeah, I mean, call it a gimmick and if you want, but I think the, the cinematography in Birdman is really exceptional. Uh, Grand Budapest would be a close second, but I say leave it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I agree. It was a gimmick, but the gimmick uh, worked. So. Yeah, I, I'll say recall, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> what would you have said? Uh, maybe maybe Ida or Mr. Turner, honestly. Mr. Turner is a Turner, beautiful film. It's boring as hell, but it's beautiful looking. <laughs> boring well, that's, it's, and it's, so it's, beautiful. That and Timothy Spall are the only things that has going for it. Exactly. He's great. I would have been fine if he got nominated. The movie looks amazing. Everything about it besides that reminded me why uh, that is not my film. And he's great in Spencer, too. I'm I'm just I'm not a Mike Lee guy. All right, sound mixing, Whiplash wins. Okay, let me just uh, preface this with yeah. uh, Thomas Curley, Academy Award winner, is a contributor on the site. Uh, I'm not saying this doesn't deserve it without any kind of special treatment, but uh, just let it be known. Thomas Curley, contributor to Awards Radar, Academy Award winner. That's awesome. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Uh, if you recall, which, you know, keeping all that in mind, uh, we have American Sniper, we have Birdman, we have Interstellar, and we have Unbroken. Uh, I think with e even without the fact that the winner contributes to the side, I think the sound mixing in um, uh, Whiplash is bar none, so keep it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's one of the standouts of the movie for sure. Well, I was going to say keep it and by... Uh, so it will stay. So uh, Steve, note to self, put the part about the pandering for votes uh, at the end of the segment. Okay. Uh, awards radar can't be bought. Recall. No, it doesn't matter. Um, Interstellar was just as good. But yeah, for, uh, Whiplash is phenomenal. Yeah, it is. All right. Uh, here's one we might be recalling. Sound editing. American Sniper won that one. A little note here that no one from the site uh, does work on any of these films actually uh clint eastwood is a consultant <laughs> he basically just yells we're doing it wrong yeah and then he falls asleep he actually put an empty chair out for me to sit on today so yeah oh. 
Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so if you recall, slash perhaps when you recall, uh, Birdman, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. Bet you forgot that one existed. <laughs> Interstellar and... Un- that would be a great trivia question. Name all three of the Hobbit films. Oh, could you do the initial title of that one? Because it wasn't it there and back again initially. Oh, I don't even know. Oh, yeah. That's the only one I, I haven't was. seen. I'll never watch it. Yeah. I hated the first Same. two so much. Yeah, I, I didn't like the first three, didn't like the next two, and went, uh, life is too short, fuck this movie that is probably nine hours long. And I'm checking right now, it is in fact 144 minutes long. The Battle of the short. Five Hours. Yep, a short movie by Reagan standards, but God knows I was uninterested. Uh, so I'm going to say uh, Recall on this one. Yeah, me too. Recall. Recall. Uh, I give this one to Interstellar. It sounds amazing. Yeah, for me too. Interstellar. I agree. Sweet. Yay. There we go. That was easy. All right. Original score. Despla wins for the Grand Budapest Hotel. If you recall, you can still give it to him for the Imitation Game. You can give it to Hans Zimmer for Interstellar. You can give it to Gary Urshan for Mr. Turner. Or you can give it to the late Johan Johansson for the Theory of Everything. No pressure on honoring a dead man. Yeah, none whatsoever. Um, oh my god, I had a thought and I just blanked. Give me the, give me the other nominees again. If not Budapest, Imitation Game, Interstellar. Okay, Mr. okay, I, I got where I was. Yeah. Uh, I think Interstellar is one of Hans Zimmer's more interesting sc- scores, to be sure. Uh, but Desplat's work on uh, Grand Budapest is so good. I, I find myself like going back to that score quite often just because I love the... It, it's got this catchy, infectious energy that I adore, so I would say keep it. I do find yeah. West Enders to be some form of an infection, yes. Definitely, yeah. Alright, Steve? Uh, say keep it. Ah, I would have recalled for Interstellar, but alright. I'd be fine with that too, but... Yeah. Alright, original song, Glory, one from Selma. If you recall, we've got Everything is Awesome from the Lego movie. Grateful from Beyond the Lights. That would be an opportunity to give it to Diane Warren. Uh, I'm Not Gonna Miss You from Glenn Campbell, I'll Be Me. An opportunity to give it to the uh, late Glenn Campbell. And Lost Stars from Begin Again. It's actually a really good category for a change. Uh, I say leave it with Selma because that's its only win. And that's a fucking travesty. Interesting. I didn't... I, I just... I just remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I'd keep it there as well. Uh, they're all good songs, but it is the fifth best song. Recall. <laughs> recall as well. And we'll see what happens. All right. Well, I'm, I'm staying consistent. All right. Gaio, do you want to go to another choice? Uh, I, you don't I, to. I'll say, uh, besides that, I'd say Lost Stars, honestly, from Begin Again. I'm, I'm on Lost Stars as well. Nice. Wow. Steve, do you well, want to give Lost Stars the win or you want to do something else? Well, I was between Everything is Awesome because I don't care. That song's awesome. Uh, oh, it's about- I'm Gonna Miss You. That was fine. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I just a very emotional, you know. Yeah, yeah, I feel like my ranking was Lost Stars, Everything is Awesome, Grateful, I'm Not Gonna Miss You, and Glory were kind of like in the, in the bottom two. They're both good songs. They're fine. Yeah, I'm going to stick... I just those top three were great. Well, I'm not going to vote for Lost Stars or Glory, so um, 
Let's go with everything is awesome. Give it a vote. Because the Lego movie hey, deserves more friends. nominations, and that's a travesty. A lesser travesty. That is a travesty. But really, come yeah. on. That was a great film. We will uh, skip the shorts, because we're running long and no one cares. <clears throat> Which isn't to say no one cares about short films. Sorry, Butterlamp. Nobody. Yeah. Uh, Crisis Hotline Veterans Press 1. Your time is not now. Uh, that and the only one I think ever, I knew everyone saw was probably Feast. The uh, animated short. I, I yeah. can't say with certainty that I've seen it. Eh, it was good. All right. Well, documentary feature. <clears throat> Citizen 4-1. I suspect it will remain, because your other options were not widely seen. We have Finding Vivian Mayer, Last Days in Vietnam, The Salt of the Earth, and Virunga. Uh, leave it. Yeah, leave it too. Oh, yeah, leave it. Yeah, It, it is actually the best of the five, for what it's worth. This is the least uh, number of recalls language. we've ever had, by the way. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's almost foreign like they got it film. right for the most part yeah. this year. We'll see. Foreign language film Ida wins from Poland. Pawel Pawlikowski. If you recall, your options are Leviathan, Tangerines, not Tangerine, mind you, uh, Timbuktu, and Wild Tales. Uh, recall. Hmm. Uh, I'll say, I'm 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 keeping it. I'll say keep it. Uh, I'll say recall, just mainly because I want to know what Miles is picking. Uh, I really enjoy Wild Tales. I think that movie's delightful. I figured. I figured. All right, you guys? I'm sticking with my keep it. Yeah, me too. Ooh, I get to choose? Oh, wait, I guess it doesn't matter. I'll go Wild Tales and it defaults back to Eda. That's fine. Animated feature, Big Hero 6. If we recall, you've got The Box Trolls. Not to be confused with that movie that Miles is watching during his uh, bachelor party. What? <laughs> Steve found it funny. Um, How to Train Your Dragon 2, Song of the Sea, and The Tale of Princess Kaguga. Ka- Kaguya? Kaguya, I'm sorry. And, and Miles, I'll explain to you how that can be dirty later. Oh, great. I can't wait. Um, I mean, I guess we can't recall it for the Lego movie, which should, by all rights, be in this category. Agreed. Um, then, honestly, out of that group, I'll leave it with Big Hero 6. Sure. I'll do the same, actually. I'm recalling. Yeah, me too. Oh, <laughs> would you recall for Song it? of the Sea. Oh, yeah, because you like uh, Wolfwalkers. True, I do like Wolfwalkers, but I like their animation as a whole, so. Well, luckily we're getting into things that might change now, so we're going to have some fun. The Imitation Game wins Best Adapted Screenplay. Everyone yawn. <sighs> there we go. Um, no, don't get too excited, because if you recall, your options are American Sniper. Inherent Vice, The Theory of Everything, and what I feel like is going to come up victorious, Whiplash. Oh, are you kidding me? Then this isn't even close. Recall. Yeah, recall. Recall. <laughs> recall. Everyone just say Whiplash at the same time? Whiplash. Whiplash. There <laughs> we go. We fixed that one. Um, nothing against Graham Moore, who was a lovely guy. Is a lovely guy. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> there was four mediocre scripts and then one great one. I actually don't even mind the imitation game for for all the crap it gets. It's It's very standard as a nominee, but I think it works on its own level. Yeah, it's just it's it's clearly what you wish they weren't voting for it opposed to like other things. Oh, totally. Yeah. Original screenplay. 
Now this is a this is a competitive one. Birdman wins. If you recall, your options are Boyhood, Foxcatcher, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Nightcrawler. Oh, I forgot Nightcrawler got nominated. Good, mm-hmm. good for Nightcrawler. Um, I'll I'll recall. Yeah, I'm recalling too. Sure, recall. Yep, recall. Um, this is a stacked cast, but I'm going to say Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, oh, ca- call me a shill, but I think it's Wes Anderson's best film, and I think it's a very clever script. Uh, I'm doing Nightcrawler. Oh, wow. Steve? I'm going Grand Budapest. Oh, my God. My options are Grand Budapest or Birdman? That sucks. <laughs> well, in that case, I'll just go Boyhood. Birdman keeps it, I guess. Wait, no. Two for Grand Budapest's. So it's not even a tie because you guys both went in opposite directions. Oh yeah, never mind. I'm going. Never mind. I'll go Birdman. Fine. So your Birdman's going to lose then. Oh, I'm sorry. The Nightcrawler. Yes. Whatever. The point was, I don't want Grand Yeah, Budapest that's what I thought. So okay. Two for Nightcrawler. There we I'm go. just helping you. I'm helping you make that loss happen. Yes. I mean, I'm in. I'm in charge. I could just say anything wins. All right. The listeners the bit- demand internal consistency from these nonsense games that we play. Yeah. These are being documented. Coming next week, the return of Sugar and Spicy. Um, no. <laughs> you watch yourself. All right. Acting categories. Patricia Arquette, Boyhood. If you recall, your options are Laura Dern in Wild, Kira Knightley in The Imitation Game, Emma Stone in Birdman, or Meryl Streep in Don't You Dare Into the Woods. Not the strongest category. Yeah. No. Uh, recall. Recall. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Recall. Uh, leave it. Wow. Uh, I think Patricia Arquette's great, and I don't mind this win at all. Uh, but out of these uh, five, I feel like Emma Stone gave the strongest performance in Birdman. She's got that one scene where she blows up with Michael Keaton that is just... It's the kind of scene that, you know, acting clips are made for, but she absolutely crushes it. Yeah, I'd go with Emma Stone as well. Emma Stone, enjoy your first Oscar, because I'm going with Emma Stone. So here it is, Emma. I'm sticking with Arquette, but there you go. That's fine. Uh, J.K. Simmons wins Best Supporting Actor for Whiplash. I expect him to keep it, but it is a mostly great category because he also is competing against Robert Duvall and The Judge, <laughs> which I recall for much of that season, he was on people's lists. And I remember on a podcast with Clayton saying, we should stop like talking about him. We're going to make this happen by accident. And uh, whoops. Uh, other nominees, Ethan Hawke, Boyhood, Edward Norton, Birdman, and Mark Ruffalo, Foxcatcher. Uh, it's a pretty good lineup, but I refuse to take it away from J.K. Simmons. Keep it. Yeah, we'll exactly. hurry. <laughs> keep it. Yep, keep it. Best Actress. Julianne Moore, still Alice. Well, that's a shame. If we recall, taking it away from her, hopefully giving it to her something better another time. Options would be Marion Cotillard, Two Days, One Night. Felicity Jones, The Theory of Everything, Roseman Pike, Gone Girl, and Reese Witherspoon, Wild. Uh, yeah, I would like to see Julianne Moore win for a better movie, and I also have a performance here I like better, so Recall. 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 Uh, Rosman Pike, like, in a landslide. She's phenomenal in Gone Girl, and I wish that she would get more roles that are on that same level. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Yeah. Make it a sweep. Uh, Marion Cotillard might have been my second yep, choice. Yeah, that's She's the other really one. really underrated in that movie. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. That movie plays like a 
like almost like a Sorkin movie. Not as witty, but the same kind of like plot of like a one-off West Wing episode. Besides those two, uh, Pike and Cody Art, uh, the rest are again kind of a, a weak year. I thought Felicity Jones was pretty good. Yeah, I didn't care for that film. Double dipping on Wild, it's like oof. Yeah, there's, there must yeah, be something better. Yeah, I think is good in it, but Laura Dern is like, come on. Uh, I mean, she was right there for the Fault in Our Stars instead. <laughs> better pick. All right, movie, movie made my top ten. Uh, Best actor, Miles, you're up because Eddie Redmayne won for the Theory of Everything. I think you heard my take on the film. Yeah. So I guess when we recall, you've got Steve Carell in Foxcatcher, Bradley Cooper in American Sniper, Benedict Cumberbatch in The Imitation Game, and Michael Keaton in Birdman. Uh, recall. Yeah, recall. recall. I'm actually going to leave it. I love that performance, but I know I'm not necessarily in the minor- in the majority here. Or definitely I'm going with, here. I'm going with Keaton. Yeah, this was Michael Keaton's Oscar. I'm convinced there was a Warren Beatty-style mix-up where they read the name wrong and they just committed to it. Um, Eddie Redmayne is a bad actor who gives bad performances, and this is no exception. <laughs> Michael Keaton is, gives one of the greatest performances of his career in Birdman. Wow, strong take there. Uh, I'm going to cast my vote for I'm Birdman, Michael Keaton. I was kind of hoping you went somewhere else because I had a choice. Um, I'll go Steve Carell, but yeah, sure. It goes to Michael Keaton. <clears throat> Director. Are we staying within Yari 2 for Birdman? If we're not, Richard Linklater Boyhood, Bennett Miller Foxcatcher. I wanted to say Wes Craven, the Grand Budapest Hotel, but it's not. It's <laughs> well, that'd be good. Imagine or, that film. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Or Morton Tildum for Passengers. I'm kidding. It's the imitation game. But talk about a man whose career just collapsed in a hurry. Um, I like Grand Budapest better as a movie, but if we're talking about the quality of the directing specifically, I say leave it with Inuri 2. Yeah, I think I agree. Uh, I'm on recall, so it's Steve's choice now. I'm going to recall just to hear, and maybe I'll, right. maybe I'll be swayed. And I'm going to start off then because we know how some people feel. Uh, Richard Linklater. That achievement is what Oscars are made for. I imagine Miles is sticking with Yari too. I am. I am as well, yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to switch to Linklater. I'm not a huge fan of the film, but when you think about direction and directing a film over, what is it? I don't know, years? 12 years. 12 years. Um, and keeping it feeling cohesive uh, with the actors and everything about it. You know, that's uh, that's an achievement. So not my favorite film. Definitely not my favorite film of the year. But uh, yeah, the direction, he does deserve his props. So there they are. Well, it's a tie. And I guess we revert back to Inyari 2. All right. Best picture, Birdman. Now, if we recall, your options are American Sniper, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, the Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Recall. 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 <laughs> Recall. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't love Birdman. I like Birdman. I don't have a problem with Birdman. It's not my favorite 
of this list. It might mm-hmm. not even be in my top five of this list. Yeah, I was about to say Birdman may is my let's see one, two, uh, maybe five. Ke- Keaton should have won. That should have been where the night ended for Birdman, in my opinion. That's I. I'm kind of. Well, I would have happily would made that director trade as well, but I would agree with that. Would have happily made that trade. Uh, as I've you know made clear here, I love uh, Grand Budapest. I love a couple of these nominees. But the winner here for me is the film that was perhaps the most snubbed on Oscar night, which is Selma. Wow. Uh, that was my favorite film of that year. I think it was phenomenal. I think David Oyelowo not getting nominated for Best Actor is a crime. I think Ava DuVernay not getting nominated for Director is crazy, especially against fucking Imitation Game. Get out of here. I <laughs> notoriously told David he was winning the Oscar at a party. Uh, well, he fucking, like, he should have at least been number two behind Keaton. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Selma all the way. It's a amazing film. Now I'm really hoping all three of you pick something different. I'm picking something different. Uh, <laughs> I gotta. I'm gonna go with uh, Grand Budapest again. Wow. I think that it's definitely my favorite Wes Anderson movie, and so and I think it was very ambitious, even though all of his movies are. Uh, I I would say Grand Budapest. Okay, I am gonna go with something. And come on, come on, Joey, follow suit. Join me. Uh, I'm going with Whiplash, one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. Uh, well, so I can pick Boyhood and it goes to Birdman. Or I can pick one of your three. I do like Selma quite a bit. But I love Whiplash. Whiplash wins Best Picture. Whiplash is an amazing film and I have no problem with that. I'm very like happy. That better than Birdman, actually. Yeah, uh, that was my that was my uh, the only Oscar I cared about that. Night. Well, I wanted Keaton as well, but I was really come on Whiplash. I, I absolutely love that film. That cinematic experience, the not just the sound, but the it was a, a pretty full theater when I was there, and it was silence through that whole last like fifteen minutes of the film. It was really incredible. That's like one of the best like final fifteen minutes or so of like any film ever. Yeah, agreed. It's gripping. It's just holding your breath and just sitting there and just like totally, totally immersed, totally locked in. So well done. Well, we're going to wrap up now. Next week, Bachelor Party. Woo. Woo. All right. Woo. I so, don't know what's going to happen. Anyone who has I'm a, a little nervous. Anyone, anyone who has a specific request I'm, can uh, send it to us. And uh, in the meantime, everyone can say where you can be followed. And... Uh, Say your favorite wedding or bachelor party related movie. Miles, you're up. Oh, jeez. Um, oh, God. So I, okay. All I want is for Miles to say very bad things. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, so you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M Y L E S on Film. Uh, please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They're both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Um, I'm going to have to think on the the wedding and bachelor party thing, actually. Come back to me on that one. So you don't want to pick very bad things? I don't know what that is. Does anyone know what that movie is? Oh, it's a... I know. <laughs> so, Steve, you, you, you understand the joke, right? Yes. Miles, uh, Very Bad Things is a Peter Berg movie. It's his directorial debut with uh, Cameron Diaz, John Favreau, Daniel Stern, Jeremy Piven, Christian Slater. And uh, basically, on a bachelor party to Vegas, they accidentally kill a hooker. 
It goes poorly. Yes. It, yeah. It's not a good movie. It's, but... Instead of hanging up your robe, they hung up a hooker. <laughs> yeah. And then they decide to dismember her and never speak of it again. And then very bad things happen. So you want to pick that one? No, I'm looking at, at some lists and... Um... I don't know if any of these are my favorites, but I'm going to throw out a few recent ones I really like. I really like Ready or Not. Oh, that's yeah. actually my pick. Barely a wedding film, but it's kind of brilliant. There's I know Steve doesn't like it, but I love Palm Springs. Right, well, yep. That's another good pick. And that one. Uh, one that I feel like not a lot of people get behind, uh, Destination Wedding. I think if you want like sort of a classic 90s style, just dialogue driven rom-com, that's like mm. a really good underrated choice. Sure. Caillou, uh, you're up. All right, well, you can follow me on most socials at Caillou Pettis, although I'm usually the most active on Instagram. Um, and favorite wedding movie, um, maybe it's a generic pick, but I think I got to go with Bridesmaids. <laughs> That's totally fine. Nice. <laughs> Steve? Oh, and Wild Tales has a really good wedding segment in it as well. Mm-hmm. I thought you were say Wild Things for a second. I was like, I'm not talking about like bachelor party fantasies oh well you can follow me on twitter and on letterboxd at film snork uh you can also check out the verse uh on apple and all other podcast locations for all your cinematic universe needs it's a lot of fun and there's a robot and robots are fun and for films i will go with after the wedding the 2006 version oh fuck okay no i'm changing my vote that one for sure it's definitely that one that one's amazing okay fine uh steve gets the original miles gets the remake fuck you (laughs) fine then i'm cast no i'm not we're we're both gonna share that one then after the wedding is definitely it there's no need for a remake there was no need for a remake no no original is not amazing it's not a good movie um yeah, you can follow me at Joey Maggotson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that stuff. Uh, Awards Radar is on most of those things. Um, I'm going to go with a movie that has a bachelor party scene. Hmm. I'm going to go with In and Out. Love that bachelor party scene where they show they're going to he's ready to watch a dirty movie and they give him Yentl. <laughs> it's funny. I rewatched that movie recently and it definitely plays oddly because it's, you know, talking about an issue that nobody knew how to talk about in the 90s but it has its heart very much in the right place and that does help you know there are like there are 90s movies where you're like oh guys you you didn't realize that wasn't cool and this doesn't feel like one of them also it's just kevin klein is great and uh joan cusack rightly nominated for best supporting actress for that movie i agree on that yeah um, where she yells like, "Why won't anyone marry me?" or something like. Like her breakdown towards the end is phenomenal. She's fantastic in that movie. Uh, yes. So we will be back next week for the uh, bachelor party extravaganza. I will actually be in Florida for it, so um, you can hear the Cracker Barrel in the distance. I don't know. But in the meantime, go to the website. We have interviews with a ton of people. We actually, uh, I just spoke to Harvey Keitel. That was very interesting. Um, he was very uninterested in talking about the movie and much more interested in talking about the high school we both went to. So we did that, and that was totally fun. Stinking Lincoln. Um, yeah, which is which is uh, accurate. And, uh, yeah, there's some good stuff. We still have Edgar Wright coming this week, um, the director of Finch, and uh, more stuff. So check it out. Uh, get your uh, booster shot when it's time. I got mine, and I am still alive. Unfortunately, I do not have 5G, so... 
alas. And uh, I will uh, speak to you guys next week. I will see you guys at the movies, and I will see Miles next week. Looking forward to it. Be safe, y'all. Good night. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.